Hello and welcome to India Speak, the Center for Policy Research's podcast series. I'm Yamini Ayer, and joining me today in a special edition of India Speak is my colleague Rahul Verma, who is the one and only election tracker for the country. Um, Rahul, we were going to ask you today to give us your predictions for uh, the upcoming state assembly elections, uh, but we won't quite put you on the spot. Uh, instead, we are going to ask you to reflect for us today in this conversation uh, on the overall implications of these elections on national politics uh, as you see it unfold uh, running into 2024. These are five very, very interesting and unique states whose internal politics and political economy uh, have been central um, over uh, many decades in shaping uh, the overall trajectory of India's politics. And therefore, the outcomes, although quite distinct in each state, are likely to collectively have a fairly significant effect on the political trajectory um, running into the general elections in 24. So Rahul, to begin with, uh, can I request you to give us a overview of what you see as the most critical and say, or rather what you see as the most salient features um, of the elections in each of these different uh, states as they go to the polls? Thank you, Yamini. Uh, and, and thank you for inviting me to talk about uh, this round of elections. From the national perspective, what's happening in this round, in, fi in, five, in four of five states, the BJP is the incumbent party and it's not a big player in Punjab. Similarly, Congress is opposition party in four states and is not a big player in Uttar Pradesh at the moment. So each of these two national parties are going to try to maximize their chances for 2024 election. BJP will be actually looking to retain most of the states and Congress will try to get two or three states out uh, where they are in opposition. So as I mentioned, Manipur, it could be there is a possibility that you can have a second time uh, BJP government. Goa, again, is a very, very important state for the Congress and the BJP, but also the two new entrants. TMC has tried to gate crash the party, uh, though it seems now it's fizzling out, but ARP seems to be an important contender there. And so the entry of ARP is now going to change the trajectory of Goa politics from here on. Third, Uttarakhand. Uh, Uttarakhand so far has elected Congress and BJP governments alternatively uh, just before, uh, like, you know, six months back, uh, BJP was facing a real crisis of trouble in terms of replacing two chief ministers and they've got the third one. And so whether they have managed to damage control or not, that is to be looked out for. And especially uh, the main uh, leader of the Congress uh, in, in Uttarakhand, was busy uh, sort of handling the crisis in Punjab, Harish Rawat. So uh, he was there. Uh, let's talk about Punjab. Punjab, again, is an important state uh, because it, like the elections are happening uh, in the backdrop of farmers' protests. Some farmer unions have also put their candidate. But it's also important from the perspective of whether AAP can emerge as a single largest party there. right? So AAP last time generated lots of enthusiasm, but uh, wasn't able to quite get there. Uh, 
if aap manages to say do really well in punjab manages to improve its performance in uh, goa or uttarakhand aap will be basically try to at least position itself as the number two party or at least in 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 some sort of like uh, uh, you know people's perception that we are there is another party other than congress the most important election of this uh, season uh, for right reasons because of its size is is up up is important one for the national uh, uh, sort of trajectory given one sixth of every mp comes from the up but it's also important from internal bjp's politics uh, no other cm other than like in 1950s gb pant has ever come back no political party after 1989 has ever come back so in 2017 bjp had a very very long large advantage over its rival can they con- like continue with that kind of advantage and manage to win uh, that's a uh, that's the question especially when sp has managed to form a grand alliance of smaller parties especially in western uttar pradesh where it has got support of rashtriya lok dal and elections are actually starting from west up so if they manage to keep bjp in check uh, in, in the first two phases i think bjp will have a really difficult time uh, uh, through these elections rahul there's one uh, there are two interesting uh, points that emerge from uh, fr- from your description of what's unique across states um each state of course is different but there, but i think there's uh, there are some trends that we can discern or some commonalities rather that we can discern that may give us a sense of some of the big uh, shifts that are taking place in indian politics first and foremost the entry of arp uh, so the national game at some level is now not just a bjp versus uh, congress uh, play uh, it is at least there are two possible states where aap is now being taken as an extremely serious contender outside of its uh, home base of of the state of delhi um so are we now going to see the beginnings of what may end up becoming a three cornered election at least in some parts of the country as we look forward to 2024 what does this new player in uh, a new serious player in the electoral pol- uh, cycle uh, mean for us so yamini going forward not just this current cycle but two elections in november december uh, gujarat and himachal pradesh and then 2023 cycle in northeast actually if you look this one and a half years from now this is basically going to shape up the new national party system so uh, yes tmc is making noises about entering in goa by basically uh, getting legislators from congress but tmc is adopting a very similar strategy in the east so tmc states are going to come in 2023 basically uh, the state of mizoram the uh, uh, and the tripura and other states so there is a game as you pointed out happening between the opposition parties so for all the talks of opposition alliance now there is a competition within the opposition to emerge as the center of focal point uh, and this is important for political parties right now they have experienced that they have a very solid base there in their home states so they want to expand and expansion into other territories will basically bring in more resources to contest 2024 cycle so aap will try to basically get into states like uh, punjab where there are serious contender but also in states like goa or gujarat where they can even if they can get 10 or 15% 
that's going to affect the outcome in those various states. And similarly, TMC is also doing the same. So going forward, what we are going to may find out in the short term, BJP will be happy that there is much more competition happening for the second state uh, spot leading to fragmentation and increasing the electoral distance between the first party and whoever the second party is going to be. But we also must remember that despite all these things, Congress still has like a large presence, 20% vote share, uh, at least get 50 or 60 odd seats. If you think about what AAP can achieve, say, if they do well, like in, in Delhi, Punjab, uh, Goa, all of this will max give them 25 to 30 seats. Similarly, even if PMC sweeps Bengal and a couple of smaller northeastern states, again, it will be in the range of 50. So basically, uh, three players will be basically competing for 30 to 50 seats. So in short run, this will be good for BJP. But in long run, you never know, right? One of these players will be also attacking BJP. And at the same time, if you look at Uttar Pradesh, that has had uh, often multiple corner contests, uh, the contest now seems to be coalescing a little bit uh, between two parties, the BJP and the Samajwadi Party, with the Congress uh, playing a not so significant third wheel. Can you tell us a little bit about how you see uh, the BJP versus SP dynamic play out uh, in Uttar Pradesh? And what I think would be topmost on our listeners' mind, um, the BJP has built a narrative of its own Hindutva politics over these last uh, five, ten years, and particularly after 2019 as one that consolidated the Hindu lower caste vote. So how is that caste politics now playing out vis-a-vis uh, -vis the re-emergence in some senses of the SP as a serious contender on its own? Yeah. Okay, thank you, Yami. This is a very, uh, this is a hard question to actually answer, but let's think through two, three different vantages point. One, I think what you really pointed out that UP is basically becoming a laboratory of Hindutva politics in Modi era. What Gujarat used to be in the 2000s or uh, 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 basically with the rise of BJP in 2014 and Yogi Adityanath becoming chief minister in 2017, uh, UP model of Hindutva politics seems to be getting replicated across uh, uh, the country. So UP is important from a very ideological uh, point of view for the BJP. Second, what UP might do if, say, BJP wins and Adityanath becomes chief minister for the second time, it will basically start the race among BJP leaders who after Modi. So from those perspectives, UP is important for BJP. The second thing which you pointed out is UP's like for last 30 odd years used to have multi-cornered, sometimes four-cornered uh, contest in some of the seats. Uh, but there is especially reports from the ground and most political observers think that this is likely to become a two-cornered election, much like what happened in West Bengal, right? Where basically the contest between BJP and TMC evaporated even the like basically long-held uh, assembly constituencies of Congress and CPM. So what we might see in this election that the two other parties, Bahujan Samaj, BSP, which was which is a very, very strong uh, player in uh, UP, especially among Dalit voters, uh, may get marginalized to an extent. And Congress, which has been making right noises at different points in time during the last three, four months with Priyanka Gandhi leading the charge, may not be able to see significant improvements. Uh, so two-cornered contest between BJP alliance and the SP alliance and what we will see a consolidation of certain social forces that are known. So, you know, uh, Yadavs or Jats in Western Uttar Pradesh or Muslims across the states are likely to consolidate uh, behind the 
behind the SP, uh, upper caste, certain segments of upper OBCs, and certain segments of Dalit, especially non-Jatav Dalits, are going to consolidate behind BJP. So, what BJP? The success of BJP since 2014 is built on basically broadening its social coalition, especially among Hindus, getting votes of non-Yadav OBCs and non-Jatav Dalits. So in this election of Uttar Pradesh in 2022, given what the social uh, uh, arithmetic is, non-Yadav OBCs become sort of the fulcrum. Whichever side they pivot to, that will have an advantage. Now, the way BJP is trying to mobilize is basically using three-pronged strategy. Uh, at the core is ideological Hindutva component plus nationalism uh, uh, component. Second one is basically playing the politics of welfare uh, and, and basically getting them uh, to vote uh, for the BJP saying that we have provided these uh, welfare benefits to you. And third one is basically accommodating them, not at the senior leadership positions, but basically giving them a uh, position in the party organization at the district or below district level. So this three-pronged strategy has basically got these communities to vote for the BJP, whether this will sort of like continue in 2022, we'll have to wait and see. The BJP's Hindu nationalism uh, doesn't cut ice in the state of Punjab. It's a different politics. Uh, yet caste is beginning to play an important role in the dynamic of Punjab. Uh, after all, the Congress has finally taken a call of announcing uh, the, uh, its first Dalit chief minister as the uh, chief ministerial candidate. How do you see caste dynamics play out in Punjab? And also, where do you see the Congress? I mean, uh, it is at this point in time only a serious contender in one state, uh, the state of Punjab. So how, you know, just reflecting on your initial opening remarks about all of these states, with the exception of UP, these were all states where until uh, not so long ago, um, the Congress was actually a serious contender and is increasingly disappearing. But it does seem to be a two-pronged fight between Congress and AAP in Punjab uh, with an important caste dynamic. So. Yeah. Uh, Punjab, uh, the political situation in Punjab is very, very fluid. Of course, it's fluid in other parts of uh, other states as well. But Punjab, because every day something new is happening. And you're right, uh, Punjab six months ago seemed like a very safe place for Congress, where Congress should return. So SAD has yet not managed to basically get out from its baggage of uh, massive corruption charges during their previous regime. Uh, Congress seemed to have some sort of sympathy for taking a position on farmers' issue. Uh, similarly, AAP still seem largely a party of South Punjab uh, in Malwa. Uh, and in some ways, uh, Congress managed to solve the crisis which was emerging from Amrinder Singh's exit by basically, you know, many people said it's a masterstroke to get Chani. And within uh, these uh, last three to four months, uh, Chani seemed to have surprised many of us. He seemed very, very smart politician and he's basically making uh, the right noises. Now, there are lots of news coming from Punjab, uh, uh, one, uh, this caste dynamics which you are talking about. So there has been caste angle to Punjab politics for a long period of time, uh, uh, which is basically the division between Jat Sikhs and Dalit Sikhs. Uh, uh, Jat Sikhs and Dalits used to play out quite a lot. And in the run-up to 2022, everyone tried to play this card. So first, Aam Aadmi Party announced that we are going to make Dalit Deputy Chief Minister if we win. 
then shiromani akali dal got bsp to make an alliance with them and that in some ways forced congress that they are basically going to put someone with dalit face either as the chief minister or pcc chief so dalit vote became very central to politics in in in, in 2022 election and what seems to be happening that one aap seems to have expanded its base from uh, uh malwa to other two parts which is toaba and manja but we still don't know what would be their conversion second uh, the uh, the other two regions toaba and manja where dalit population is slightly higher congress has already maxed out in 2017 election so can they go further up in that we don't know then there are reports coming in and you are right like uh, so far bjp has not been able to make any significant inroads in punjab they were largely dependent on akali dal and they used to do get some votes in urban hindu pockets now there are some reports coming in uh, which is what is happening in certain seats in punjab that hindu voters are basically consolidating behind bjp and jat six are consolidating behind uh, akali dal so it's basically leading to some sort of sikh hindu polarization in the state i don't know how true it is but what will this is not going to basically increase bjp's chances in winning number of seats but given that there is so much movement happening in votes it makes the election result very sort of like uncertain and most likely what might happen in this election uh, that we may not get a clear verdict in in punjab yes the possibility of a hung uh, verdict in punjab has been uh, doing the rounds lately but an interesting shift in uh, congress policy of uh, finally making clear who the chief ministerial candidate is they still haven't done that in uttar pradesh for instance only uh, a few tantalizing hints where do you see these elections or rather what can you predict of these elections in terms of how it will shape dynamics internally within the congress party so uh, you know uh, about the congress less said the better <laughs> because uh, we don't have good sense of what's happening within the like top level at the congress party and these are basically then speculative analysis so one speculative analysis is why was congress paying so much so i had asked this uh, to many people you have four states where you can actually win why are you putting your energies in up where you are not even going to win 10% of mm. the seats why you are putting priyanka gandhi there and even if you are putting priyanka gandhi <coughs> why is she not putting her neck on the noose basically go and contest against yogi adityanath show that you are serious uh, so one speculative analysis is that the family basically wants to control the party and control of the party is also through the delegates and because up is the largest state it also sends maximum number of delegates and that's why they are spending so much time and energy in up despite not being able to win uh, seats see i think this year uh, and i wrote about this that just fortunately this could be the best year for the congress party since 2014 there are seven states that are going to polls and in six of them congress is the main opposition party and none of these state governments think about say uttarakhand or manipur or uh, goa have done spectacularly well to be able to return comfortably to power and so even by default congress with some efforts could have been some of these seats 
And this was very, very important. And this is still very, very important from Congress perspective. One, it like, you know, you've been losing in many states. People are leaving your party. It just builds the morale of the party that we can win. Second, and, you know, uh, with all different talks at the end of the day, elections require resources. Uh, and if I have to blunt, you require money to contest election. And for national parties, money basically comes from state coffers, right? So if you control many state governments, even if they are small, they are going to contribute to the national coffers. My worry is if Congress does not win, say, Punjab or a couple of other states this time, given Rajasthan's, like every time they alternate, uh, perhaps maybe just Chhattisgarh and Karnataka would be sort of like funding the entire campaign of Congress party. And that would be like really, really difficult for them. Moving away from political party dynamics or rather what the elections uh, hold for uh, political party dynamics um, and the electoral strategies. One question that has puzzled uh, many uh, is we are going into the elections against the backdrop of a fairly serious set of uh, social and economic disasters precipitated by COVID-19, but also uh, the farmers' uh, agitation, which both highlighted the degrees of economic distress, uh, as well as the centrality of uh, the need to re-articulate uh, an economic strategy for, for the country, the, uh, the challenge of unemployment, the uh, you know, sort of epitomized, I think, in the riots over the railway posts uh, last two weeks ago. Um, each of these have sort of highlighted that we are, these are not elections that are being fought in normal times. Critical constituencies of the youth, the poor, the vulnerable, the farmer, each of whom have articulated their distress um, uh, to the political powers that be. Yet when it comes to campaign rhetoric, uh, apart from our sort of uh, con constant response of provision of freebies, uh, you're not really hearing a debate on the economy as part and parcel of the election campaign. And what puzzles me even more, particularly in Western UP, where the Jat farmer was a very central part of the whole story, uh, it's not clear how this is articulating into an uh, into a campaign narrative at all for any of the any of the parties. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? What does it mean to go into elections in times of economic distress? That's the million dollar <laughs> question, and I don't have an easy answer for you, Yamini. This is perplexing uh, on many levels. You are absolutely right. In last couple of years, we have seen every important social constituency up in arms against the government, be it youth uh, from JNU and Allahabad days to farmers, uh, to Muslims, uh, 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 to Dalits in, in 2018. So every other like you know important social constituency has been up in arms against the government, yet we have not seen any serious thinking to basically get them on table, talk and, and, and basically figure out what the ways more or less every time it seems that the government has basically wait and watch strategy uh, and basically elongating the period of protest thinking at some point of time these uh, protests will fizzle out and this is not the correct way of governing a country or going forward because like slowly these temperatures once they will accumulate uh, 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 is a recipe for disaster and you are also absolutely right about uh, uh, if, if one follows the campaign narrative from both sides uh, uh, that there is not serious discussion on 
the economic concerns. There was still, uh, at least when Tejasvi Yadav in Bihar uh, managed to reach the uh, plank on unemployment and other things, at least in UP and in, in, in uh, like Punjab and Uttarakhand, which I have closely followed, uh, the, the economic concerns remain part of campaign, but they are not the central focus. Even from the government side, they are not, say, for example, in UP, uh, BJP does talk about welfare schemes and infrastructure from time to time, but that's not the central plan. Central plan of Adityanath, Yogi Adityanath seems to be 80-20, uh, hinting at some sort of like religious polarization and other things. And this is surprising. If I, like, you know, were advising BJP, I would be perhaps telling them to focus on welfare schemes or infrastructure and at least be like, you know, seem at least seems sensitive to people's economic concern. That's what not the government is doing. And we were talking about uh, the budget today, uh, uh, right? Uh, you asked me this question and I don't uh, have an answer to this. Why have the social sector expenditure, especially for important welfare schemes, uh, 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 the money has been reduced? We, we don't know, perhaps government in its wisdom think that they are right path, they are one on the right path of basically economic governance to welfare schemes have done what they were supposed to do. And three, and I think this might be the most important thing, which is the government or the BJP in its wisdom think that economy is not going to become the central issue of elections and opposition will not be able to make it. And so why bother about it? That's the that's really the critical puzzle. Uh, one would assume that uh, elections in times of economic distress would be the opportunity uh, to bring economic distress on the table front and center, particularly uh, on the part of uh, the opposition mobilization. Uh, but it, do it doesn't seem to have centered itself around that. Um, and it sort of raises important questions about whether we actually do have an economic consensus amongst political parties, uh, even if that economic consensus in terms of policy is not necessarily lending itself uh, into uh, improved economic outcomes for the citizenry. Um, but I guess that's a conversation we should have on another day and certainly after the elections. Uh, this has been a really, really insightful conversation, Rahul. We've uh, traveled through uh, the East, the West, the North, uh, and the critical state of Uttar Pradesh and looked at uh, the range of issues um, that are emerging in terms of trends, the emergence of Ahmadmi Party and to a degree the Trinamool Congress uh, as, as a new uh, sort of a set of uh, opposition forces that collectively may be changing the dynamic of what the opposition is going to look like. Uh, the big puzzle of the Congress, as you rightly say, these are elections in many parts of the country that the Congress had more opportunity to win than lose. Uh, it's put in a significant amount of its eggs into the UP basket, even as some eggs still stay in Punjab, I think. Um, yet we're not, it's not clear, clear what this is going to mean for Congress strategy going forward. Uh, the emergence of a two-cornered fight between the Samajwadi Party and the BJP in Uttar Pradesh, uh, I think is going to probably change some of the dynamics of traditional caste politics that have dominated the state over the ever since liberalization over the last 30 odd years. So are we seeing a new churning uh, is also a question um, on, on my mind. Um, let's just focus in on Manipur for uh, a quick last second. Um, I think in, in the sense of not specifically Manipur, but uh, you know, in the Northeast, we have seen 
both the surprising emergence of the BJP as a significant political force, given the fact that uh, its dem demography uh, is different, uh, but also a lot of internal churning, uh, particularly, you know, if you see uh, over uh, a, uh, AFSPA and, um, uh, you know, the relationship between the military and the, and, and the citizenry, um, how do you think is this going to in any way impact um, the BJP's uh, sort of uh, attempts to gain a stronghold in the Northeast? So you put me on a spot. Uh, my knowledge about the Northeast is a bit limited because I'm not extensively. Sure. And the there. Northeast is very complicated. Yes. I wouldn't uh, venture to answer uh, questions yes. about it. Uh, 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 yeah. But, but uh, some, some, some. Uh, things, especially uh, reading reportage from that part of uh, the country, is at least between 2014 and 2019, BJP was like a newcomer, right? So there was an excitement about both BJP and Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Uh, and then with help of uh, Himanta Vishwasarma, who is uh, a very tactical, uh, a, a very smart tactician, what they managed to do is an enter into many parts of Northeast using all kinds of strategies uh, of politics, right? Mergers and acquisitions and basically borrowing uh, uh, leaders from other parties. So if you look at like there is some data to suggest, which is what is happening in Northeast, half of BJP-led cabinets are basically members of other parties, right? So there is no organic growth of BJP in Northeast, it basically suddenly uh, sprung a surprise post-2014 after winning Assam in 2016 and then defeating uh, Tripura in 2018, uh, then defeating CPM in Tripura in 2018. So they managed to basically enter the space through alliances, through mergers and through getting players from other places. But between this period, what we have also seen these social unrest and social tensions. The question for BJP is, can they manage their hold onto that space? Have they managed to basically got some ideological foothold on the uh, 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 in that part of the country? That remains to be seen. Uh, many times what happens when you are part of the government through your patronage network, you manage to create like you had no organization, but you must have managed to build some iota of organization there. And given that in many parts of many states of Northeast, either Congress or some regional party was uh, like, especially the Congress uh, was an important player and the decline of Congress in some ways have aided to the rise of BJP. So think of uh, a place like uh, Tripura. Basically, Congress collapsed from being the main opposition party to a party with less than 5% of votes and a lot of votes went to the BJP. Similarly, in Assam, Congress, which was ruling the state in 2016, was forced to enter into an alliance with AIUDF. So Congress is making some of these moves, which is also creating opening for the BJP. If they manage to win one or two, like they have managed to retain Assam, if they manage to retain, say, either Tripura or Manipur, then their basically shelf life will get elongated. Rahul, thank you for that wonderful tour de force of what's uh, what's happening with elections across these five states. Uh, these are crucial state elections, a, a set of a cluster of important states collectively going to the polls. State elections uh, in these times also uh, tell us a lot about the dynamics of center-state relations um, and what we can expect for how state elections uh, uh, contribute into uh, trends for national elections 
conditions. Do you think that uh, the outcomes, in what ways rather, do you think the outcomes of these elections will potentially shape center-state relations um, and the and their politics uh, over the next three years before 2024? Yamini, you've done a lot of work in this area and you know that center-state dynamics are also determined by the kind of majority or power the national government holds. Right. And, and sometimes power is not just how many seats you have in the parliament, but what is your perceptive power? So if BJP, for example, not do well in some of these states and especially UP, the perceptive power of BJP will start declining. Right. And the party will have to play a bit more accommodative role. And what you will also see that there will be much more dynamism within the opposition. Opposition will start pushing back, uh, like we saw since 2021, when when you saw in Tamil Nadu DMK winning and TMC basically managed to hold on to BJP's expansion in in West Bengal. So first thing I think it, these elections, if BJP does not manage to hold on to, uh, uh, the party will have to become much more accommodative and it, in its responses to uh, the opposition. Second thing to look out for is how will ARP perform? Uh, TMC will see in 2023 because that will change the relationship within the opposition. Because now there is also, a, as I mentioned earlier, there is also a contest happening between three players in the opposition to get a perceptive limelight that the opposition will or not be always led by the Congress, but there are other players who can uh, uh, become important. And, and three, uh, uh, you know, uh, because most of so every time such important state of elections, when they go together, we tend to call them semifinals. But anyone who follows sports knows that the final is very, very different from semifinal. Semifinal, the winner of the semifinal only gets to play the final. It does not mean that the, uh, they have an upper hand or an advantage. So, for example, if BJP, say, uh, loses UP, yes, they are going to have difficulty uh, till 2024, they will have to become more accommodative. But does that ensure that they will not win 2024? I don't think that will happen. Similarly, even if they win UP, that does not ensure that they will not face changes going forward in 2024. So these round of elections are important for signaling, for basically getting more players to their side, uh, for collection of more resources, but they can only tell very partially about what will happen in 2020. So the 2024 game is still going to be on and uh, there are exciting times ahead. Thank you very much, Rahul, for joining us today and looking forward to talking to you after the results uh, to discern better what these state elections mean uh, in the run-up to 2024. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at CPR underscore India and on our website www.cprindia.org.